I'm pretty sure this episode ends up arguing that premisologists, whatever they are, well, they're a kind of philosopher, are um, handy... Oh, excuse my cockatoo. Um, a handy... Noisy bastard. A handy to have around. Um, even if they're... You know, and, and a good premisologist, like a good philosopher, really, uh, might well be amoral and lacking, completely lacking in humanity and compassion and all those sorts of things and may well um, just in the course of investigating something from an intellectual standpoint and putting morality and hum- humanity and all that sort of stuff and you know, compassion aside and all that sort of stuff may well uh, uh, voice some brutal ideas um, that, that are even, um, what, absolutely racist, for example, you know, um, absolutely um, uncaring and unkind um, and make people cry, um, you know, may voice all those things um, in, in, in a premisology exercise, in the middle of a premisology exercise, but you know, you know that he... Um, isn't a racist, for example, even though he's saying, look, you, you, you might have a... Um, I can imagine um, a, a, uh, a debate back at school, you know, um, in which, you know, so what's the worst thing I can think of almost? You know, I can think of shocking things. But one shocking thing I can think of is the premise that all cockatoos who are noisy bastards should be shot, you know. No, um, that the Holocaust is a hoax. Yeah, absolutely shocking idea, you know. Um, you can discuss the merits about whether that should even be debated, you know. Of course, you know, I think maybe not, you know. But back at school, in my time, maybe that's the sort of thing that could be debated back in my day, you know, um, because I'm 56. So maybe that sort of thing could be um, debated way back when, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Um, actually, I think the you know, Holocaust denying was pretty bad back then too, you know. But anyway, look, you can imagine a time back in the past. But, you know, should dangerous ideas be allowed to be debated? Well, you know what the funny thing about that is? Even if they're not allowed to be debated out loud, I reckon most people have the debate in their heads. All sorts of dangerous debates in their heads. Because you're an idiot if you don't... You, if you don't even roll these things around in your head, um, you know, when someone puts a proposition forward to you that, um, you know, for example, that um, being a male or a man, you know, someone might say that is a social construction and it's a question of, you know, how you identify whether you're a man or not. Now, in the act of... Now, you're not allowed to argue that, for example, in polite company... You know, in the public discourse, for example, you have to accept that. But in the act of considering that when someone proposes it to you for the first time, um, you have to consider the alternative. I don't know if you can even avoid it. You have to just say, hmm, is this true? And anyone who doesn't say, is this true, um, is an idiot. Now, in the act of going through that process of asking yourself, is that true, you are actively considering the possibility that it's false, aren't you? I think you are. 
Or if you if you don't, then you are no better than those people who blindly follow messiahs around. Yeah, if you're going to just blindly believe it, I'm not sure about all that. But anyway, you get what I'm saying. Um, but um, this, I suspect this uh, episode is suggesting that premisologists are handy to have around, even though they sound a little bit horrible. Well, they can often, and I'm sure they can often sound very horrible. You know, for example, a premisologist would be able to enter into a um, an idea for a couple of hours, you know, uh, that, for example, the Holocaust is a hoax, you know, or that, um, uh, what's, what's another bad one, you know, you can think that, um, that, uh, there is no such thing as racism, you know, or that racism is good, you know, anything, pick anything, you know, racism is natural, you know, something like that, you know, all these very terrible ideas, you know, um, that, or, um, that uh, homosexuality, for example, is unnatural. You know? Now, I happen to think that's a load of bollocks. I think it's absolutely natural. You see, you know, to, people seem to be, it seems to be around all the time ever since the ancient Greeks and long before that. So it's natural, you know. Just like um, uh, infanticide, you know, mothers killing their children and fathers killing their children, all natural. All right, there's a good one. You often hear it every time. There's a domestic violence issue um, and, you know, a mother or a father kills his or her, her or his children and you hear in newspapers, this is, unna- you know, going against nature, unnatural. Well, you know, you might have to put forward a proposition. You know, you might have, you know, I, do you have the power to enter into the idea that um, the act of killing children is a natural act that has happened all through history and will continue to happen forever most likely you know or has happened forever are you are you able to enter into that idea that killing children killing your own children is just a natural part of life yeah um i can imagine that one being put up as a debate topic um uh, Domestic violence and killing your own children, all that sort of stuff, an absolute natural part of the human condition. True or false. And then you pick two people and you say, right, you have to argue for the affirmative and you have to argue, argue for the negative. Now, a premisologist could argue for the affirmative or the negative. Yeah. A, a premisologist is a bit more than a good debater. Uh, I'll get into that. But um, a premisologist, you know... Um, actually sort of believes the thing for a period of two hours switches on the switches on the belief and then switches it off after two hours you know um enters into that belief you know goes a little bit stronger than a a good debater or a good lawyer or whatever arguing for something that he doesn't or she doesn't believe in yeah which is what a good debater or a good lawyer does um but um or is able to do a premisologist, I'm going to argue, goes a little bit further than that. And actually, you know, like a good premisologist goes to Mass and as he walks in the door, like I do, says, I'm going to believe in Jesus while I'm here. I'm going to say all the words. You know, I believe in one God, one Holy Apostolic Church and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to believe all, I'm going to actually enter into all of that. I'm going to say all the prayers and all that sort of stuff. You know, I am going to swear oaths that I believe in one God and one holy Catholic and apostolic church and all that sort of stuff. I'm going to actually swear all that stuff because it's true. 
for you know I I do believe that stuff while I'm in church. It's just that I drop it the minute I walk out of church. You know, this makes me a premisologist. You know, I'm able to enter into an idea and then drop it later. That's what a premisologist is. But um, we'll get into all of that. But um, this episode is going to argue that premisologists might be handy to have around. Uh, because there are so many people with vested interests in, you know, they've got an agenda. You know, premisologists tend to have no agenda um, when they're arguing one way or another, you know. Um, let's say, and you know, I've got friends who um, are, um, are passionate about, um, you know, from, I know some people who belong to a tribe in Africa, you know, and... Um, and they are passionately um, tribal, yeah. And I think those people um, will, that I know would struggle to make good premisologists because you know there's a rival tribe, you know. And I find uh, I don't know if those people have ever tried to actually enter into um, the fact that the rival tribe is uh, the good tribe and that you know and all the propaganda of the rival tribe is correct you know they they're quite happy to enter into the propaganda of their own tribe and they they even say that they say listen we know it's propaganda but we're entering into it and I say yes but hey all right that's good that's real good sort of you know brain flexibility but are you able to do that and hop on the other side and argue that a little bit like I barry for Essendon, you know, um, the football clubs. That's tribal, um, but I I could do it for two hours. I could argue passionately for Collingwood. I hate Collingwood, you know, as a, a football follower, but uh, as a good premisologist, I could go out um, with you and convince you I am a Collingwood supporter. I know that much about Collingwood. You know, I know all as given they are my enemy. I know everything about them. But I could actually turn everything around and convince you I am a Collingwood supporter and argue passionately for Collingwood. Um, And people who can do that, I reckon, are handy people to have around. And it's really good to hear someone who isn't died in the wall Collingwood, for example, um, argue the case, or who is even anti-Collingwood, um, argue the case for Collingwood, you know, and all that sort of stuff. I think premisologists are handy people to have around, although, warning, they can end up um, arguing their way into dangerous territory, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah uh, for example, I just thought of another one, blackface. You've heard of blackface. You know, I've only known about it myself for about 10 years, believe it or not, or maybe five. You know, I heard about it fairly recently. Um, everyone knows about it now because of the internet. You know, But back in the old days, we didn't know what it was. Um, we come from Australia for a start. You know, it's not very well known. It didn't used to be well known here in Australia. But anyway, blackface um, is painting your face up in blackface. Well, painting your face black, you know, putting the nugget on is that... A legitimate thing to do if you are at a fancy dress party and you um, are dressing up as Little Richard, who is your favourite rock star, who happens to be African-American, is it okay for you to um, dress up and paint, put nugget on your face and turn yourself into Little Richard and go black-faced? You know? Now, 
well. You know, um, is that, I think a premisologist is handy to have around because at this point in my life, I think, no, it's not okay for me to dress up as little Richard, you know. Um, however, I, um, I would be able to argue for the affirmative on that. But you know, what I'd really like to hear is an African-American arguing for the affirmative, even though that African-American might um, think absolutely not, you know, but it'd be very good, um, healthy, if, if an African-American could, because, you know, play the game of premisology and enter into that idea as fact and then argue a case. You know, it's a good idea. It's intellectually... Uh, uh, look, it's, it's dangerous. It's, it's, it's contemplating dangerous ideas, but I think that needs to happen. And I think we do it internally anyway, even if we don't do it out, outwardly. You know, we almost need premisology clubs where you lock all the doors so that nobody can hear you um, and you actually discuss these dangerous ideas. I need to start a premisology club. I need to start a premisology club in which dangerous ideas, horrid ideas, horrible ideas are, are discussed, you know, um, without um, anybody thinking you actually believe those ideas, you know, something like that. Hmm, that'd be an interesting club. And, and people, even people, you know, um, yeah, you could have, like if you were doing a racism one, you could have everyone from different, a diverse group of people all willing to join this club. You know, you can have an African guy there, you can have an Asian guy there, you can have an Anglo guy there, and you can have a Celtic guy there. You can have all these different people there. He said, do you want to join my premisology club where we can actually discuss this stuff without everyone screeching? You know, without, you know, you can't do it in public, of course, but what do you reckon? Do you reckon we could discuss these things? And let's all argue exactly against what we actually think. You know, so let's say I'm a racist, you know, in real life, I'll, anti, I'll argue the case for anti-racism. And if you're an anti-racist in real life, you argue the case for racism. And, you know, would that be a valuable exercise? Would it be a good thing to have a premise in for, uh, to start a premisology club? Would you be willing, would you, be, would you like to join my premisology club? Hmm. Premisology, a tighter version. The previous episode was about premisology, but at the start of the episode, I didn't know it was going to be about that. I didn't know what it was going to be about, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it ended up being about premisology. You know. And in fact, halfway through the episode, the word premisology was invented. Uh, it is not necessarily a great word, but it is a word now. And I might hold on to it just for the remainder of this episode and then drop it forever because um, I'm sure there's better words for what I'm trying to describe than that. Uh, But there's some advantages of inventing words, even if there are better words for what you're trying to describe. Uh, And the main advantage is that you can tweak the meaning without confusing anybody because it's a made-up word, you know. So in that sense, it's the best word for what I'm trying to describe. Because I'm making up what I'm trying to describe. Premisology. Okay, so... um, I reckon I can have another crack at defining what it means. 
as a consequence of having made the previous episode, and here it go, here goes. Uh, premisology, I'm going to define it. I may tweak it later, but this is it for now. Uh, premisology is the art or discipline, if you like, or power uh, to uh, come across an idea or even invent an idea that for you is definitely false. And in the previous episode, I used my favourite. The example that Socrates came up with uh, being, you know, consider the uh, consider this, you know, if all cats have four legs, you know, that's what Socrates said. I asked us to consider, and um, anyone who didn't have the power to consider that, he, he would kick out of his classroom, surely, you know. Um, all cats have four legs, he said, for the purposes of what I'm about to, dis- to for, for an argument I'm about to uh, launch. All cats have four legs, you know. And there might have been a few students who said, well, actually, you're wrong there. And he'd say, get out. You're missing the point. Right. That's part one of the definition of premisology, that you have the power to enter into an idea or come across an idea or invent an idea that you know is definitely false, intellectually false. Intellectually, you know it's definitely false. Right. And part two of the definition of premisology is um, that you have um, the ability to, once you have locked in that idea as fact, even though you know it's not a fact, so you have to lock it in as a fact. And only for a time limited period. Um, Let's say two hours typically, as long as it takes you to go out to dinner with somebody where that person may well um, hold that idea as fact all the time for them. But it doesn't matter what they think. It's not about them. And it's not about trying to convince them one way or another. It's not about anybody else. It's about you. It's a very personal definition. A a very personal definition. And premisology is about um, accepting as fact something that you know is not fact. You know, for you personally. Uh, But part two of that is then... um, uh, being logical from then on, you know, so um, you grab a false idea, you enter into a false idea as a premise, as a foundation for a line of thinking, but then the line of thinking must be logical. That's what premisology is. Okay, so it is logic built, built <coughs> on a falsehood. Okay. That's all. And I'll come back to that. I'll, 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 I'll actually, I've got a little... I'm waiting for my son to come out of school, so I've got another few seconds, quite likely. Uh, so, all right, let's 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 just say a little bit more. All right, take um, Socrates' cat. Or, you know, Socrates' idea of a cat. You know, uh, Socrates said, all right, who, who in this class is able to enter into the idea as fact that all cats have four legs, you know? And anyone who wasn't a, able to do that, he'd kick out. So I suppose he was looking for supremacologists, you know. And he said, all right, four cats. I mean, so all cats have four legs. Four cats have four legs. Sixteen cats have four legs. Right, all cats have four legs, he said. Now, 
the, the next bit about the next thing I'm going to say isn't part of the standard Socrates um, discussion on all cats having four legs. You know, he goes, he, he then, um, you know, in the, in the famous example, he says, well, if I've got a cat, then how many legs has it got? You know, and the whole class should answer four legs. And because all cats have four legs, yeah, and, and that's a logical progression, you know. All right, now that's the Socrates one, but I've just invented another one. Um, I've got a cat, you know. I actually haven't, you know. But, you know, make it a double premise, you know. Um, I'm going to make a double premise. doesn't matter. You can make double premises and triple premises and quadruple premises, but you just have to disclose them, that's all. Right, um, okay, I've got a double premise. Um, and that is that all cats have four legs and that I've got a cat. Now I put to you, how many legs has my cat got? Now, even if I don't have one. And the answer to that is four. Logical, you know, you've got to be logical if you want to be a premisologist. Right, so that's that. Now I've got a cat and here comes my son now. I'll tell you, I'll tell you more about the cat in a minute. I'm back. Okay, and I was talking about cats. I was talking about, I was talking about specifically my cat, who has four hidden four legs. Now, I'm a premisologist. Uh, and at this point, you might say, <laughs> what real life applicability is this going to have? You know, um, you're taking an example of a cat, you know, and making a premise that all cats have four legs. What real life applicability, what are you driving at? Yeah, <laughs> to which I'll say, I'm not telling you, you know, because it's my zen in this podcast to not care about whether you're catching on or not. I'm speaking this podcast for myself, not for you. I don't care if you're keeping up or not. Okay, now, um, Socrates, you know, when he made his example of a cat, uh, it was pretty obvious when, why he was um, saying this ridiculous idea of uh, all cats having four legs. Um, so, yeah, go and look at why he thought it was a good idea to consider that possibility or that um, that premise, you know, or why he. And that'll do for me too. All right, now, oh no, dropped my phone and a little bit of coffee on top of it. Um, now, uh, my cat. Okay, now look. Here's the thing about my cat. Now, I'm a premisologist. Uh, being a premisologist is ne- not necessarily being a nice person. You know, the, the, the overall aim, you know, uh, the umbrella aim, you know, at the end of all of this is not to make all, the world a better place, you know. Um, that's, that's definitely not something I'm driving at, you know. I, I don't intend to be a good person out of all this. In fact, I might be a horrible person out of all of this. I'm just investigating this um, for its own sake. Okay, now, all cats have four legs, okay? I have the power to enter into that as a true, as a factual premise, even though it's not true. Um, Okay, Uh, now I have a cat, and right now I'm not driving in my car, even though... You can hear the blinker. <laughs> I'm actually standing in my front yard and my cat is uh, purring <laughs> and you know, nuzzling up against my leg. And my goodness, it's seen another cat across the road. And uh-oh, look at that cat go. 
and my cat is flying across the road and oh no, bang. My cat has been hit by a car. Ah, good news, it's not dead. You know, I see its little face turning towards me um, in some anguish. Um, but, you know, still alive. Oh, good on your cat. Get back here, come on. You can do it, you strong cat. Um, and it does come back to me, but it's got more than a limp. It's got a super limp. What's going on? Uh-oh, it's lost a leg. All right, but otherwise in good shape. Come on, cat. Come on, because I'm, you know, I'm already leaning up against my fence post and I'm having a coffee. I'm not going to, you know, put my coffee down and pick up the cat. The cat's got to fend for itself. Right, the cat comes back to me, it's got three legs. And I said, hello, whoa, you're not a cat anymore because all cats have four legs. You know? Now, what I've done there is, you know, I've decided... Um, you know, 10 minutes ago, 5 minutes ago, or 10 minutes ago, I decided that all cats have four legs, at least for the next two hours of my life, you know. I've entered into that, and I'm a good premisologist, so I've fully entered into it, you know. So, this thing that has come back to me from the road, uh, recently whacked by a car, is no longer a cat. It isn't, it can't be. Because all cats have four legs, and this one's got three legs. Yeah. Unless it could manage to, you know, unless I sticky tape the other leg to it, then it becomes a cat again. Wait a minute, I'm going out, all right. I've put my coffee down, I'm going out to the road, and I've grabbed uh, that leg off the road. Uh, it looks like a leg of chicken, you know. And I've come back, and my cat's collapsed in my driveway. <laughs> oh, come on, cat. You know, toughen up. And um, anyway, I've got some gaffer tape and I'll sticky tape the leg back onto my, well, what was once, once upon a time, my cat. And oh, look out, it's a cat again because it's got four legs again. And I say, hello, cat, I missed you. Um, I had something else here before, a three-legged something. I don't know what it was, you know. Um, I could give it a, it looked a bit like a cat, so I'll give it a name that was a, something like a cat, but it wasn't a cat, you know. I'll call it a tri-cat. T-R-I-C-A-T, you know, a tricat, you know, a tricat, exactly, that's exactly what you were a, a minute ago, you were a tricat, um, because you had three legs, and I decided that three-legged things that look like cats, and that once were, you know, except, you know, before they hit, got hit by a car, they're tricats, okay, so you're a tricat, tricat, you're a tricat, you know, and um, but now I've gaffer taped a leg back on you. You've got four legs. One of them's not functioning, obviously, um, but you are a cat again because you are right before me, and you are no. You know what? You are a true cat still. You know, you look like a cat, but you're not. You're a true cat. Um, so you're still yeah, because I can see that leg's gaffer tapped on you, isn't it? You're trying to trick me, you true cat. <laughs> All right, you're a trick cat now. There's no two ways around it, unless we can surgically get that leg back on, and I don't, I'm not going to pay for that. Okay. Uh, you're going to sort of live with your new um, status. Uh, but you know what? You're not a disabled trick cat. Um, you're not even a disabled cat. You are a, a fully able trick cat. Trick cat. Yeah, because all trick cats have three legs, and they are just like cats except they've got three legs, you know. So, what I've done there, I've entered into 
a proposition, a, sorry, a premise, that all cats have four legs. So, Mike, and I've also entered, in, I've entered into a double premise, because uh, that's the same as entering into a single premise, you know. But as long as you, you draw a line at the end of, at the end of logging in, lodging all your premises in, you can have ten if you want, but once you've established all your premises, I mean, I had two, that all cats have four legs and I have a cat. That's all, I, I only had two. Um, you have to be logic. Oh, and um, I also um, logged in the falsehood that I, my cat, uh, you know, this fake cat, um, walked out on the road and got hit by a car, and that was the end of that cat. Yeah, and um, that was the birth of a new beast called a tricat. So three falsehoods did I enter into, but the point is. Um, once I'd locked those three falsehoods in, um, I was logical from then on, and that's the key to being a premisologist. Okay, now, bizarre as that example was, um, you know, you might say, "Who would?" You know, this is stupid. This line of thinking you're getting into, and I say, "Well, if that's stupid, then I uh, look. I think I, I'm. I bet just about everyone on the planet." enters into these games themselves but I don't think I think most of them aren't premisologists because the key thing about premisologists is that a premisologist enters into these falsehoods um, and is fully aware that they are falsehoods whereas other people enter into falsehoods uh, and you know and, and, and um, a premisologist enters into a falsehood um, and um, he's not trying to be tricky. He's being open about it and honest and respectful. You know, uh, you know, there's no disrespect there. I'm not trying to trick you into the idea that all cats have four legs. I'm not trying to trick you into that idea. I'm being open about it. I'm saying I am entering into a falsehood. You know, I'm, I'm putting it up in lights. You know, now this makes me different than a presuppositionist. A presuppositionist might try and trick you into the might try and trick you into the idea that all cats have four legs and um you know and might be a lawyer a lawyer's a good presuppositionist you know and they might say you know oh look now listen given that all cats have four legs um you know um and my client does have a cat that cat has four legs you know um but they kind of brushed over that you know they didn't put up in lights you know they said yeah, they just said it offhandedly, you know. I'll give them the, you know how all cats have four. You know, no, they don't even put it like that. Um, look, let's just lay out, lay out the facts here. This is what lawyers do, you know. Oh, oh, look, cats have four legs, right? And this guy's got a cat, so you know his cat's got four legs. Now let's move on. And um, any, you know, and the jury, you know, listening to that lawyer, uh, if they if if they have been in court for about two days, um, might have. You know, because of the way he said it, he might have tricked them into the idea that cats have four legs, and they, um, and he's moved them on so quickly that he's kind of tricked them into that idea. Whereas a premisologist, I like that guy, uh, he's a presuppositionist. You're saying he's trying to um, get a presupposition going. You know, um, I'm a premisologist, so I'll say, listen, you know, I'll be quite open and honest and everything to the jury. Now, it is a fact that all that um, there are cats that don't have four legs, you know, in our society, you know. However, I, I want you to enter into the falsehood. See, I'm putting it up in lights. 
that all cats have four legs and then we are going to take the argument from there. I want you to also enter into the falsehood that my client has a cat. He actually doesn't, you know, I'm being really honest. You know, that's the difference. A lawyer might be lying, you know. Um, well, I don't know if a lawyer can lie, you know, they can be tricky. The point is a lawyer can be tricky, you know. Um, uh, I think a client could tell a lawyer that he's got a cat and then a lawyer accepts that as fact, you know, um, because he's a spokesperson for the person. So if the person lies, he's allowed to lie, something like that, you know. But he's a presuppositionist anyway, and he's trying to gloss over things, you know. He's trying to trick you. I'm not trying to trick you. A premisologist doesn't try and trick you. He puts it up in lights. In, and, and, and if a premisologist was a, li- a lawyer, not a liar, <laughs> a lawyer, uh, he would say, uh, now, it, listen, there are cats, you know, in, in the normal usage of the word cat, there are cats that have less than four legs, you know, because some cats get hit by cars. Um, however, for the purpose of an argument I want to launch now, I want you to enter into the idea as fact that all cats have four legs, you know. Um, and um, obviously I'd be a terrible lawyer if I did that, but that's, um, that's what a premisologist does, you know what I mean? And so on and so forth, you know. And I'm back again. Now I'm starting to wonder, uh, is there any value in having premisologists amongst us and my gut feeling is yes Uh, I actually think I might be a premisologist actually uh, by nature Uh, you would have to listen to all 150 odd of my episodes well I've only made about 150 odd you'd have to listen to all my episodes to sort of work out whether that's true or not, you know, uh, whether there is, um, whether I'm in the habit of considering ideas um, on their own merits without having some sort of agenda behind them. You know, and I think that's what premisologists might be all about. And I might be one of them. I, I, I suspect I am. I may not be, but I suspect I am. Um, You know, it's these people who have the power to ponder ideas uh, without always having this little agenda behind them that the, you know, in the final analysis, you know, there has to be an angle of humanity or compassion or something behind them, you know, Uh, or nationalism, whatever your thing is, you know, like... At the bottom of everything you talk about in your life, you know, in the final analysis, no matter what you're talking about, in the end, way down the bottom, um, is the overall goal um, to make this world a better place, for example, you know, or to, you know, spread goodwill or be kind, you know, or to, you know, look for a world in which everybody loves each other and all that sort of thing. You know, is, is that underlying everything you talk about, you know? So if you want to discuss politics or, you know, um, whether, a, you know, a three-legged cat is actually a cat or, you know, is there any way to sort of consider that to be not a cat? You, you know, are you sort of thinking 
No, no, you know what? I'm going to call that three-legged cat a cat. Yeah, I am actually going to do that because if I don't do that, then um, some very brutal um, outcomes arise from um, considering a three-legged cat not a cat. You know, and one of the obvious ones is, you know, then someone who has no legs, a human, is not a human. You know, if you define a human as being, you know, a homo sapiens, as being a biped, you know, a, a, a bipedal primate, you know, which I think we are, you know. In fact, jump on your dictionaries and I think, you know, I'm sure, you know, that a human would be defined as a biped of some sort, you know, a two-legged sort of monkey, a two-legged sort of great ape. You know, I bet you we are, you know, which would mean that on a, technically, if I lose my legs tomorrow in a car accident, which could happen to me, then at that moment in time, I stop being a human. You know? And this could have all sorts of um, uh, brutal, brutal... Um, uh, consequences you know this line of thinking um for people uh, people who um you know have um who are missing legs or anything else in their bodies let's say you know are not only less human but are not human yeah this is an outrageous um sort of contention you know a consequence of thinking along the lines of, you know, setting premises, premises like this. You know, being a premisologist can be a very horrible thing to be, you know. Now, uh, if you're the sort of person who, you know, way, you know, if you're like Harry and Megan and everything you do in the end has to be about spreading love. Um, I don't know how they do that with this... um, mansion they're considering buying in Malibu at the moment. It's very confusing, these ultra-rich people. Um, you know, they're... they're, they're, they're <laughs> I don't know how they do that, <laughs> you know. They they manage to feel like that their whole being, this is nothing to do with this episode, is, um, is geared towards spreading love and kindness and being good people but they still manage to be rich at the same time it's a wonderful trick to pull off i don't know how they do it you know um i i actually do the idea behind it is to get into every cause uh, and you can bring this back to premisology you know yeah um uh, uh I am a good person, you can say to yourself, you know, everything I'm about to tell you is premised on the fact that I am a good person, um, and if I, um, if I am super rich, you know, like Harry and Megan, and I'm about to buy a super rich apartment, then somehow, um, I am still good, because the premise, the premise is that I'm good, you know, like you start off with that, I am a good person. Uh, you know, you can, you might be a premisologist accidentally, you know. Uh, oh, no, it has to be deliberate, doesn't it? All right, I am a good person. Um, see, if I'm, uh, and I am super wealthy, but somehow I can make that work, you know what I mean? Okay. Now, a premisologist would um, be very open about that and say, I am actually a, 
uh, pretty I'm evil you know, on one level because um, I'm into every cause on the planet. You know, I'm a bit of a Meryl Streep or a Paul McCartney. You know, I'm into every cause uh, except, you know, for example, LGBTQI, um, anti-racism, poverty in Africa. They always say Africa, you know, but poverty. Uh, but I am not into the cause of that any cause, I do not work for any cause that alters the uh, economic system of the Western world and the entire planet, really, that would make it impossible for me to be super wealthy. You know, like Megan and, Mar- Megan and Harry are not going for that. They're not advocating for any world economic system that would give them equal wealth compared to other people, you know. They want to be amongst the super wealthy. It seems pretty obvious. Okay, so there's that. So premisologists, is there any value to having premisologists in the world? Well, yes, because I think you could end up with, um, because that way you can compare them, these premisologists, to people like, you know, Harry and Megan, for example. So let's say I decided for the next two hours... To be like Harry and Megan, yeah, uh, and I tell you, for the next two hours, I am super wealthy like Harry and Megan, right? So now that's a falsehood, you know, but just enter into this, you know, and I say to you that I am also, you know, this is a double banger premiseology, double banger premise, and I am also a good person, you know, a good person person i am super rich and i am a good person you know now i say to you i know that these two things are not necessarily true in fact i know that at least one of them is like look i'm going to say i know that both of these things are a falsehood i'm going to tell you that now i'm going to admit it now in now what you can do then with me as a premisologist is um listen to me speak and compare me to Harry and Megan, Harry and Megan, and you might sort of, it might in um, shed some light, illuminate um, what Harry and Megan are up to in 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 the world, in the world, um, by comparing them with this false me who is also Harry and Megan. Yeah. Uh, I'm both of them at the same time. It doesn't matter how ridiculous your premise is. I am Harry and Megan. You know? um, I'm a schizophrenic. I've got two personalities. I am Harry and Megan. I am just as rich as those two guys. And I have just left the royal family. That's Elvis going over overhead. Um, excuse us. It's one of those huge, you know, this is Australia. And that is, uh, I live next to Essendon Airport. It's a fantastic looking thing. It's um, the water carrying helicopters, you know. I don't think it's Elvis. Uh, it's one of Elvis's cousin. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a helicopter that we renamed Elvis. That, that has a nickname Elvis. And it picks up water and drops it on fires, bushfires. Right. <sighs> now, um... So that's that. What's the point of having premisologists? You know, sort of amoral we premisologists are. Amoral, you know, because we can enter into an idea. I could go out to dinner with you and I can enter into the idea. Listen, I'm going to grab my dictionary out. I'm going to read 
the um, I'm going to have as one of my premises that um, that everything dictionary I'm going to go with dictionary definitions as being the exact meanings of words for example and I'm going to look up the word human being you know homo sapiens and I'm pretty sure it's going to say something like you know a bipedal um primate or something you know great ape okay and I'm going to say oh you know as a consequence of that anybody who has no legs and is sitting in a wheelchair is not a human you know and you're going to say I am outraged I'm saying I'm not here to make you outraged or not outraged I'm just telling you that I'm going to enter into this lie you know quite possibly a lie that um the definition of humans is that they be bipedal you know and um, and you'll say, I'm outraged. And I'll say, well, listen, it's good that you heard me talking about this so calmly and without, um, without uh, sensitivity to people who are disabled, you know, with no legs. It's good that you're listening to me because, you know, saying this so dispassionately and without compassion, because you might see by me saying that, how because the dictionary is dispassionate too. It's just sitting there. The words are sitting there. You know, human beings are a bipedal great ape, you know. Um, you might say, well, um, by listening, you know, if you want to... It, it's good that I got you outraged if you are a compassionate type of person. It's good that I got you outraged because now you can go, you know, send a letter to the dictionary people and say, listen, you need to alter your definition of human beings because I just met a guy who um, who buys into your dictionary definitions as you know the only definitions of things that he is going to accept and he'll uh, admittedly only for two hours and he has just read your um, definition of human beings and he's decided that human beings have to be bipedal they have to have two legs you know on a literal um, reading of your definition of the human being or the homo sapiens or whatever you know I got interrupted there on that line of thinking uh, by an incoming phone call as happens uh, and it's good when I get interrupted because you know I had said everything I needed to say I would have kept talking uh, about the same thing for longer had I not been interrupted. Okay, so premisologists, what am I getting at there? Look, premisologists, I think, are handy to have around because if nothing else, and I'm not talking about from my perspective but from yours, it's handy for to have a premisologist like me around, around because I might uh, present um, an absurd example of... Uh, someone in the world uh, I might uh, um, against which you can compare um, other people in the world who don't come across as absurd but who might be you know once you can see an absurd example of them you know and um, an example of that is always sort of people who believe in the Bible literally, you know, and, you know, I could launch an argument 
from the, the perspective of those people by also entering into that idea. So you could be sitting back and, they could, you know, I could be out to dinner and you could come to d- dinner too, but not say a thing. And the born-again Christian and I could sit there and for the period of that dinner, we both, um, we both uh, believe that the Bible is literally true. You know, the universe was made in seven days, you know, and all that sort of stuff, you know. Um, water into wine, anything, everything you want, you know. We both, but the difference is, and we, we both argue spectacularly well, you know, we make all the evidence of the real world fit into that premise. Um, and that's what theologists do, I think. Theologists, you know, um, let, let's say you have a type of, of hardline theologists, theologist who um, has it as true as a, what, a matter of faith, whatever you want to call it, um, holds it as true that the Bible is literally true. There may, I'm sure there there is that type of theologist in the world. Right. Um, and then I go out to dinner with him, that guy, and I... I, I, for the period of that dinner, I agree too, but I, I say at the start of dinner, now I think this is a load of crap, you know, I, don't, I think that the Bible is not literally true. However, for the next two hours, ah, I am going to enter into it, that idea, as a fact. Um, you know, and um, this guy here, who I'm talking to, we, he and I are going to get along like a house on fire. And you're going to listen to us. But the point is, he might be... Uh, you see, in some senses, I might be nice to listen to because you know that I think it's bulldust, you know. But you know that I'm putting that thought on hold for two hours and entering into it. It might be easier for you to hear it from me, um, uh, you know, very well. If I argue, if I accept it as fact that the Bible is literally true, um, I will present all sorts of arguments defending that position to the death, you know, for two hours. And, you know, it might be easier hearing it from me, you know, because you'll have no, you know, because I'm a psychopath, you know, a sociopath, you know, I'm a robot, a bollard, whatever you want to call it. It might be easier hearing all the the arguments for how the Bible can be literally true from someone like me who is a bollard and a sociopath and a psychopath um, who, for example, you know, I'm the sort of per- person who is willing to enter into the horrid... <laughs> I've been reading Ina Blyton. The horrid idea that, you know, arguably, if, you know, all... If, humans are a bipedal um, uh, great ape uh, that people who have no legs are not fully human in fact not human at all you know they need their own definitions you know know, a little bit like that three-legged cat isn't a cat you know it might be easier listening to me than to listening to this idea this other guy who might annoy you because you know that um even when you when dinner is finished, he's going to keep believing that stuff, you know. But at least with me, you know, I'm going to drop it. You know, it's, 
it's kind of easier to hear all the how I can make the evidence of the universe that my senses are picking up at least and even my intuition and all that sort of stuff and everything I've ever heard and all that sort of stuff you know my spirituality you might be easier I'm not sure I've got any spirituality but you know it doesn't matter um it might be you know I think primacologists are kind of nice to have around because you can hear someone arguing the case for the Bible being literally true without um, necessarily um, having that person annoy you. It's actually a really great exercise to get into, actually, premisology. Yeah. Um, in fact, to a certain extent, that's what we used to do. We used to do in debating teams at school. I don't think people uh, can do that very easily anymore. But we used to be able to do it. Um, you'd go on one side of a debating team, and let's say you are uh, someone who is um, passionate about climate change. You know, and you know you would be instructed to argue the case that climate change um, uh, is not human caused. You know, you'd have to argue that out and you would uh, score badly if you let your real beliefs get through. You've got to put that on hold. Premisologists are a little bit, little bit like uh, being on one side of a debating team, arguing. A, uh, look, you might argue. Let's say you're passionate about domestic violence because that's been in the news lately, and um, you might be asked to argue that um, domestic violence occurs uh, domestic violence in Australia is at the lowest level one can possibly expect you know and you have to that's a proposition and you have to argue for the affirmative now there are some people who couldn't do it you know and um, I think that that makes them a little bit dangerous if they can't even do it as an exercise, um, they would never make they would never make good in a debating. I would never want them on my debating team, and I would never want them to be a lawyer either. Those sorts of people, really, you know, uh, you've got to be able to consider uncomfortable ideas. You don't have to, but premisologists like to. Yeah, and that person would never make a good premisologist. Okay, there's that. I'm only half thinking. All I'm. I'm just thinking all these things aloud. Um, okay. And that'll do for this episode. I may and I may not talk about premisology for one more episode after this. You know, I'm tempted to. You know, I'm thinking I should think of some examples of premisology in action. In fact, I will. I'll do an episode on premisology in action in one word action second word <laughs>